Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. As ever, our thanks to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. We've got a bumper panel to kick off the new year. We'll be talking Guernsey FC as their struggles continued at Foots Lane. A 1-0 defeat against Thatcham Town, leaving the Green Lions rooted to the bottom of the Isthmian South Central. Elsewhere, there were goals galore at the KG5 as the Stranger Cup got underway on the 3G. A full recap of the weekend action to come. I'm Tony Curran, alongside me for part one. I've got Gareth DePrevo. Hi, Tony. Harry. Jones. Hi Tony. And Simon Delarue. Hello. Uh, great to see you all guys. Happy New Year and all of that. Um, was it a happy New Year for GFC? Probably not quite. We were all down there um, on Sunday uh, to see them um, yeah, fall to that single goal against Thatcham Town. I got absolutely soaked in the first half as well. So if, uh, well, I think you guys were all sheltering in the stand, were you? Or Harry, were you? No, I got, I got caught up in it as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a, another tough afternoon for the Green Lions. Um, another game without a goal. Uh, as I say, they're bottom of the table, nine goals in 80. Del, you're on commentary duty for the club. Uh, yeah, and an- another game where you weren't uh, able to call a, a goal for the home side. There have only been three uh, of those nine goals that have been scored at home. So, um, yeah, it's quite a rarity to describe Guernsey putting the ball in the back of the net legitimately um, they did hit the post uh, on this occasion but then so did Thatcham um, I think it would be a, um, a challenge to put an argument forward that Guernsey deserved uh, a victory in this one uh, uh, or even a point to be honest um, Thatcham Town weren't particularly glorious in their display um, but nevertheless I think they were the better team and, and probably deserved the points um, and it, obviously availability of players is the main problem that Tony Vance has got at the moment um, and this was a game in which the uh, the, the bad news sort of piled in on itself and uh, they lost firstly um, uh, Kieran, uh, Keanu Marsh uh, to a suspected concussion he took a Blow when he jumped up for a uh, a, a cross um, with uh, Mohamedou Cisse of Thatcham, and at first he seemed to be okay. He was uh, assessed by the physio, and then decided to carry on. But sometime later, um, he he told me he had had blurred vision and nausea, and uh, shortly before half time he was withdrawn. So his availability for the next couple of games would have to be in some doubt, you'd think. Um, and then uh, Jacob Fallows, uh, who's got an ongoing knee issue, um, had to go off as well shortly after half-time. So um, with uh, Jamie Dodd not available either, uh, they're obviously looking a bit threadbare now in defence as well as up front. So, uh, yeah, the, the problems are really piling up for them. Yeah, Keanu did uh, take a, a long while to get off the pitch, actually, when he was when he was taken off in the end, walked I very think, slightly. I think, I, mean, you know, I hope nobody's having their tea while they're uh, listening to this, but the, what prompted the ref to call for him to be removed was actually he vomited on the pitch so it obviously was not in a fit state to carry on so I have to admit I was a bit surprised given that he went down on one knee twice before then um, that he hadn't already been removed from play as a precaution but um, I suppose you know, players are always saying, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. So I guess he was wanting to carry on until it became clear he couldn't. Yeah, well, hopefully he's on the, the mend already. Um, at the other end of the pitch, uh, Harry, yeah, as we say, another a blank for GFC. Brandon Wallace, you know, got took the man of the match on us from the, from the, um, from the club on the day and, and certainly looked the, the most threatening, uh, as Del mentioned, um, Keane Delmar hitting the post. But certainly in that first half in particular, the moments of brightness came from Brandon, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, we really we really struggled to to create generally, but but Brandon was brilliant. I thought he fully deserved the man of the match award. He just seemed he just seemed so 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 much bravery um, playing yesterday that he does in the Prio. You see him playing local football over here, and he looks so good. 
Um, he's adjusted to playing for GFC this season. It's the first sort of period he's really been starting games regularly, and and it's shown that he's kind of getting in the flow now. Created some chance in the second half, and he looked like he looked like he wanted to beat men. He was creating chances. He nearly got that assist for Keane. Uh, he was having a few efforts himself. So it's nice to see. It's nice to see Brandon sort of in full flow at that level uh, yesterday. And but yeah, generally we just. We just we we never really looked like never looked like we were going to score score goals like like Dale said, and um, it is a little bit worrying. Obviously, we are still missing players. You know, Ross been away for a while, been a been a source of so many goals for so long. So playing without him for a long period of time makes it really difficult because we've always relied on Ross so much. Faz as well, he's been playing really well for Guernsey when he's been available in the last year or so. Got quite a few goals. He's been out for a while. It looks like he's going to be out for another month or two at least. Um, so yes, it's really worrying signs, especially with having so many issues with player availability and stuff recently. I'm not quite sure where the goal's going to come from, but hopefully hopefully soon we'll see it turned around. I crunched the numbers at the beginning of that game and the starting 11 had scored 25 Guernsey FC goals between them. And then when Rehoy and Loring came on as substitutes, that rose to 180 just with those two <laughs> players coming on. It puts into context the kind of experience that they're missing. They need the the players, um, you know, not least this week, a trip to Binfield on Wednesday night. Um, Binfield are sort of playoff chases and then back to Foots Lane on Saturday today uh, to face Sutton Common Rovers who are one of the sides right down there um, at the bottom of the Isthmian South Central I mean as far as sort of tests go Gareth where do you think um, or challenges go I guess you know given the backdrop we just heard where, where do you think this week is going to rank? Well put it this way Tony if they don't get three points against Sutton Common Rovers I think you can pretty much say that bottom two beckons then uh, they things are looking pretty bleak at the moment like like the guys have been saying losing sort of games is bad enough but just keep losing players constantly it's just a constant battle for uh, Tony Vance and the rest of the coaching team it's it's, it's a real shame in that regard cause it, it's, Guernsey FC aren't being able to give their actual best account of themselves because they haven't been able to put their best side out um, I know that happens to every club but when you look at the turnover that all the English clubs have, I mean, Thatcher had pretty much about a dozen different players to what they played against GFC with at the start of the season. But Guernsey FC, if you lose people like Keanu, who was looking really good, actually, I thought for the first half hour, I thought him and Brandon down the right actually looked pretty threatening. Um, but it was just so typical of GFC's luck that he's the one who gets injured first half. Jacob Fallais, as Dell says, has been struggling anyway with injury and... You know, to lose to lose a leader at the back like Jacob is is another big blow. Um, Binfield, as you say, are sort of in the top half of the table, so an away trip there is, you know, it's going to be difficult anyway. But the big game is Sutton Common, and if they get nothing out of that, then you know we're very much in danger of being cut adrift at the bottom. To be honest, because um, Merstham seems to be picking up points now as well. I, I take it they're probably in a similar situation to other clubs around them that they've probably picked up a few players, knowing that they're in danger, and they're going to try and work their way out of it that way. Guernsey FC haven't got that luxury, and we have to contend with what we we've got, sort of what the cards we're being dealt, and. Um, yeah, we're not getting very good hands at the moment. Well, it's not unusual, is it, in terms of sort of recent years and just before the pandemic that, that you know, Guernsey have been sort of languishing somewhat sort of towards the bottom of the table, but never in a situation where they find themselves bottom with you know, the, the gap kind of widening um, to the team's I think them. the big thing, certainly last year, it's sort of getting towards that state. But the big thing we had last year was basically Ben AC and Charlton Govine and Ross Allen, obviously. I mean, Ross Ross will hopefully come back in the near, near future and be available. But 
Um, the loss of Charlton at the start of this season, we knew Ben Acey was going anyway, so that, that was always going to come. But the loss of Charlton to sort of a serious injury like he, like he picked up in pre-season, it's, it was such a major blow. And now we're looking at... I mean, Brandon was the best player we had on, on Monday, but we're talking about a guy who's making his first official home start at whatever he is, 18 years old. You can't expect him to perhaps be the influence that Charlton Govine is on his side. So um, it, it's very unfortunate. We have got a very inexperienced side now trying to make their way at the highest level GFC have ever been. You know, it's all very well starting out at combined counties with a better side, which is what we had. Um, now we've got a young, inexperienced side who could almost do with being a couple of levels lower than what they are, just to pick up that English football experience and then look to move back up to where we are. Yeah, and Dale, you mentioned Dave Rehoy before. Um, yeah, GFC finished the game with Meris and Rehoy on the pitch uh, at either side of the defence, combined age of about 80, um, <laughs> which is, you know, amazing. And, and, and both of them looking, you know, not too bad for it, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, well, and Tony Vance uh, highlighted their contributions at the end of the game alongside that of Brandon Wallace, uh, saying that, you know, they, you've got three uh, players at kind of uh, at the extreme ends of the age spectrum who, uh, and he described them as evergreen, the two Daves. Mm. Um, and he was obviously very impressed with uh, both of their performances. So I think Dave Rehoy, um, obviously playing out on the wing um, and trying to bring the ball in, inside frequently um, yeah, wasn't able to make the impact that he would have wanted but I mean you know a solid game and uh, you know Vance is able to trust him implicitly um, so I think he'll be very glad that he's come back into the fold um, and obviously you know answering the call uh, of, the, of what Guernsey needs actually it was, it was after the Uxbridge game that I commentated on I went down to interview uh, Tony for uh, the press um, that um, Dave Rehoy came up to him after that game and said, um, do you know, shall, shall, I come along to, shall I come along to training? And he was like, oh, yes, please. So, uh, so they've, been, they've been thinking about it since October. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously you know, that is a welcome addition. But yeah, they need more than just that. They need obviously players to come back from these long-term injuries as soon as possible. So you wonder where else... Um, Tony can really turn at the moment. You know, obviously getting Ben AC back, or it looked like getting him back for about a month, um, was a massive boost. And he ended up playing one game, and he's he's already gone back to Bristol. There's certain things that happen behind the scenes. I know it was sort of announced as, as a month loan. Um, the impression I got from quite early on was maybe three or four games, perhaps. Um, His case of Ben was going to be coming back to see his family at Christmas time. We had that game on Boxing Day. It was sort of really great to have him available for that. And then hopefully that, that Bank Holiday Monday game as well, he would have been available. Unfortunately, the plane didn't um, didn't go that day. Um, after that, I think, it, I, th I think it was a case of anything more would be a bit of a bonus. Um, it's it's one of those things when you're trying to become a professional footballer, or he is yeah. a professional footballer, when you're trying to make your way in that... Um, at that sort of grade, um, sort of hanging around Guernsey FC, Isthmian South Central level for more than a fortnight, probably won't do you much good, really. But um, yeah, it was a shame that we, we he wasn't available for Sunday. Um, I, I will just add on, I, I must admit, I thought Dave Maris was very good on Sunday and um, it's something I've said to other people. I'd love to have seen him sort of 10 years ago because I, mean, I think he's basically the same age as me, which makes me feel dreadful because <laughs> he's, he's in far better shape than I ever wished to be. Um, but um, there was one point sort of quite late in the second half, he was actually sort of covering back and chasing across the pitch um, when Guernsey were actually pushing men forward. 
and he showed a, a sort of a certainly a decent turn of pace for, for sort of like a, a guy of sort of advancing years, I suppose. But um, he's, he looks such a, a composed player, and his, his awareness is very good. Um, yeah, so it would have been it would have been really good to have actually seen him sort of ten years ago. But it's still quite a pleasure to watch him now, to be honest. Yeah, no, he was um, very very impressive. And I, you know, actually, when you look at it, I mean, just to, to offer a glimmer of hope, you know, there was. Well, no stage would you say GFC were outplayed on Sunday at all. They were very much fully competitive in that game. And, it, you know, is the luck going to turn at some point? I don't know. I mean, it, is it just wishful thinking? So many times I've convinced myself. I've gone, <laughs> I've gone along. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And there's so many times now that I've gone along to Foots Lane to commentate on those games. I've seen every home game bar one um, this season uh, and only to have my hopes dashed, you know. Um, and it, it's either because, you know, there's an atrocious refereeing performance <laughs> that's biased horribly against us, or so it seems, or because the, the uh, defensive unit we're up against are just giants and <laughs> nobody yeah. can get a sniff. I mean, even on on uh, Sunday, it was it was remarkable just how easily some of the defenders were able to muscle off uh, the otherwise brilliant you know, likes of Hale or um, Wallace, um, but just as big guys, you know. And uh, but yeah, I I would like to think that. Uh, on a decent playing surface and hopefully it'll, that'll improve a bit <laughs> without too much more rain um, Guernsey can play round and uh, with the right tactics will be able to come good again but they do need some creative midfield uh, players to come back in I think it will help against Sutton Common fingers crossed he's going to be fit to come back but um, obviously Kieran Malm will be back for that one because his last game of suspension is Binfield in which case I hope the Binfield game goes ahead <laughs> yeah. that'd be very handy you don't want that one being rained off because if well Tony Vance does of course but, well, he, he, he does because of his defence but at this yeah. moment in time I think he'd rather have sort of like Kesman back for um, Sutton Common Rovers yeah. next weekend having served his last game of suspension against Binfield yeah. because he will make a big difference in the middle of the park I think they, they needed that sort of dynamism on Sunday as well just to sort of get them going a bit but uh, yeah it is a is a bit of a struggle just talking about sort of like the level of Thatcham Town uh, I've been to quite a few games this season and it might be a bit of an unfair um, comparison but I remember going to watch Bracknell last year I know Bracknell ended up champions and we're by far the best side but they were an outstanding side I haven't seen anyone at Foots Lane this year where I've thought they're better than us or, or they should be better than us but that's sort of like us being a fully strength GFC, yeah, yeah, and we just haven't had that fully strength GFC out. Um, but there's no one to sort of worry about in this league, as far as I can tell so far. It's it's just yeah, luck hasn't gone our way. And Harry, you've been to quite a few of the away games, obviously doing mm-hmm. commentary and stuff. Um, uh, what's your sense of, of the morale? Um, yeah, particularly on those trips. Uh, I mean, morale still, morale within the camp still seems to be pretty good, generally, from what I can tell. Um, the lads, the lads are still obviously up for it. A lot of a lot of sort of young players coming in coming into the side but in terms of sort of like advancing that it just must be finding it so difficult having having so few players available um just the luck the luck that he seems to have with with the sort of squads he has to take on these trips makes it so difficult you know on boxing day we had well, like a 12 man squad and um young Jacques Coven he's under 18 that's the first time I think he's ever been in a GFC squad you know great opportunity for him but um it just shows the lack of the lack of depth and experience makes it makes it so difficult for us to be able to really compete, especially in these away games. I think it's at Foots Lane where if we're going to stay up, we're going to be doing it at Foots Lane. We're going to be getting points, hopefully, at home. We've got a full squad available because when we go away, we seem to always have 12, 13 players. You know, at Waterman Hersham, we got beat 6-0. On the bench, we only had Brandon Wallace, who is only 19 years old, and a sub-keeper. And, you know, a couple injuries. We've got to be having to play a keeper outfield. 
whilst we're playing against a team who had a guy with like 15 goals this season on the bench. And um, you just like, how are, we, how are we supposed to compete in this division when, when that's what we've got available to us? You know, credit to the lads who are still, you know, committing so much, going away consistently um, and still trying, still trying to salvage the situation. But at the moment, it looks really difficult to, to come back from where we are. Well, we'll be following it closely. There is a, a way to go, isn't there? Um, six of the next ten are at home, so you know that. Yeah, in no- normal times or in different times, you know that would be a very appealing prospect. And, and ultimately, I mean, just to take a step back from the whole thing, obviously we're we're all thinking, and Guernsey FC are all thinking about, you know, what can they do to avoid relegation? But should it come? Life will go on at Genzi FC <laughs> if they get relegated, and maybe they'll win a few more games. Yeah. You know, it's it. Although it is clearly something they want to avoid, um, it's not a, a a great big abyss to fall into that they'll never return from. You know, there there is you know, life after relegation. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not suggesting we should accept it or anything. They'll fight with a tooth and nail to avoid it, and it could be a really exciting end to the season if they're just you know uh, it's a relegation sort of dogfight at the end. Yeah, there could be some big occasions. And I think as well, you know, obviously the crowds, you know, have dipped off somewhat from, you know, the early sort of heyday of GFC, if you like. But still, there's a very solid following there. And, um, yeah, lots of people in the grandstand on, on Sunday. And what was it? You know, 532 they day. had on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, credit, yeah. credit to all of them for, for having not seen many goals this season for, for keeping up and uh, turning out there. Um, OK, well, we'll leave it there. Del, thanks very much. Um, we'll Thank see you, you soon. Welcome back, uh, Del uh, taken off and Jim Fowler brought off the bench for part two of this week's pod. Um, talk about the Stranger Cup, which um, got underway this weekend. Four games, obviously all down at the KG5. Um, uh, there were big wins for, or, well, lots of goals. Wins for St. Martins over Bells, for North against Sylvans. Um, Harry Jones starring in a 4-0 win for <laughs> Rec against Rangers on Saturday afternoon. More of that to come. Um, but we'll start where it started on Friday night and a, a massive um, scoreline. Rovers 8-2 winners over the holders. Guernsey's under-18s. Um, Jim, you were down at that one and I think you tweeted that the scoreline sort of was a, a true reflection of how, uh, how one side of the game was. At half-time, Rovers were genuinely thinking about double-figure score and when uh, when it went 6-0 up after 50 minutes, it was very much on the cards and then the whole game just lost a, a bit of momentum um, really kind of fizzled out I suppose these things happen but uh, yeah Rovers were very good and the under 18s uh, not so really I suppose expectations slightly elevated maybe on them going into it based on the fact that the the side last year you know lifted the cup but um, was that more of a a blip really I mean it yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, this group is not last year's group. Uh, and I think it'd be fair to say, really, there are, yeah, there's no exceptional players in the, in this group. Uh, I guess you could probably perm any, any 11 from 20-odd guys in the under-18 league and, and they'd put out a, a similar-ish uh, performance. Uh, individually, the lads didn't play uh, uh, too badly for, for Guernsey, but, yeah, they're beat, you know, I thought they set up strangely and, and they were beaten by... a. Uh, uh, by a team that knows what it's doing. And for the under-18s as well, you know, the under-18 Marathi, not that far away. Um, the Stranger Cup, obviously, uh, in recent years, has been a you know a significant part of their build-up. Um, but yeah, maybe with some work to do then before before that game um, back here on, on Guernsey Soil. You suspect that, you know, they're going to get two more games in this competition. They're going to need a lot more, oh, I would have thought. I mean, I saw people were saying over the weekend about tours, etc., yeah, that's not going to happen. And I've got to admit, I think the 
the the value in investing in tours for under 18s a lot of whom will kind of never seriously play football in guernsey again is is questionable but um you know on on that showing they uh, i know they've only just started training but they need they need to put some intensive work in in the next few weeks yeah i mean after last year's red wash in the age group Marathis, um are you surprised that you know, more hasn't been laid on in terms of preparation already for this nobody wants to see uh, another red wash uh, absolutely for sure um you know and i think there were questions asked last uh, last spring about you know why and how we got in that situation if you see it again next uh, this season and i guess with um uh, you know, a lot of Jersey, you know, Jersey's best young players now playing for Jersey Bulls under 23s. That's a, must be a massive uh, bonus for them. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Let's come on to Saturday's action. Uh, Harry back in the island and, and straight into the starting lineup for Rick. How'd it go? <laughs> yeah, it was, re- it was really good. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite a comfortable win for us in the end. Rangers set up very defensively. Obviously, um, they were missing quite a few of their players. I think they had five players playing in the under 18. Um, Jacques Coven was captaining the 18 side. Um, he normally starts Rangers, as does Zach Batiste, Harry Tester, uh, George Goubet, Tom Solway. So they, they were missing all of them. I think they only had a squad of sort of 13 players, brought a couple off the bench. I don't think play pre regularly. So it was difficult for Rangers. They set up uh, very defensively, but we took we took our chance and we had them. We managed to create even on even on the KG5, you know, a small pitch. Probably did suit range a little bit more so they could set up in a very deep block, make it harder for us to create some chances. But um, yeah, took our goals well. Jacob Marston Pepe scored a great uh, goal to open things up from a really tight angle, actually. It was a really good finish. Um, Sammy Goddard again chipped in with a goal from a corner. Then Glenn Letizier, um returned to fitness. He's had a couple injury issues this season. Glenn, it's nice to see him back playing for Guernsey FC as well yesterday. At the end, he scored a great header, actually, for the third and then uh, scored a penalty to make it four. So, yeah, nice nice start to the 2023. Yeah, and there's been a bit of movement as there, uh, by way of transfers over the Christmas period. Um, at, at Rec, um, you know, picked up a, a couple of players in uh, Joe Black and, and Pierce Ockleford. Um, Carl Smith as well, going from Sylvans to North. So, uh, yeah, a bit, of, a bit of interest in the transfer market as far as pro football is concerned. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those uh, those players settle in. I mean, obviously, yeah, for, for Carl going back to North, but... Um, uh, yeah, for for Rec, you know, two good additions to your squad. Yeah, for sure. Um, Joe Blackham and Joe Blackham's been a great player in the pre in the last few years. I remember back a few years ago when I was at Saints, he came there for I think he was there for a season or two. Um, I think it might have been two seasons, but the season I was there before I went to uni, he was fantastic. You know, he's so quick. Uh, just seems to make things happen. Plays sort of plays football at like two hundred miles an hour. You know, <laughs> um, very chaotic football, and, and it works. He he's a really threatening player. And, um, and Mark, Mark Rommel was very excited about bringing, bringing Joe in from Alderney. They're really struggling this season. I think there is a few conversations about them maybe dropping into the Jackson next season. I'm not sure what will materialise there, but I think Joe is a player who definitely has to be playing at Prio level. He's got the quality for it. Came into the starting eleven uh, the other day for his debut and played really well. And then Pierce Ockleford, player who's played Marathi's before, you know, adds a lot of experience and quality. He doesn't always, you know, overly commit to football, Pierce, I think. Roma said he's had a bit of a struggle trying to get him in, been badgering sort of most of the season. Um, same with Louis <laughs> Travis, who used to be at Manzo with Pierce. And eventually, uh, Pierce has finally decided to commit. And um, yeah, it's another another addition that, that Roma's and the coaching team are excited to bring in. And Jim, yeah, as far as the sort of Stranger Cup is concerned, obviously back on the, the 3G and, you know, good to see football happening at all this weekend. And uh, yeah, given the kind of the relentless showers we're being subjected to at the moment. But um, as far as that's concerned, I mean, what, what's your view about the setup of the tournament? Well, it's interesting what Harry says about um, playing on it. I mean, how do you feel about playing pre-football on, on the 3G? 
I, I do quite like the three, just just because it's you know a nice service. You don't have to worry about the bobbles and things like that. So in that sort of perspective, I do like it. But um, it's you're saying it suits a class player such as yourself. <laughs> <laughs> suits a player who needs to help on his first touch. I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not really. Sh- I'm not really sure. It's got his sort of pros and cons because, um, as I said, it's nice playing on on quite a nice flat surface. But then it's, it's such a small pitch. I find it quite confusing sometimes. There was one early on in the game where Joe Blacken got got sort of brought down. A debate over whether it was a pen or a free kick. I didn't even have a clue where the box was. I don't know what box we used. I mean, I didn't. Have, I didn't have a clue. There's none of the lines. I'm, I was completely. I was completely lost on whether it was a free kick or pen. I didn't have an idea. So in that case, there is there is definitely some cons to it. Um, as I said, sort of a small pitch makes it a bit harder to play to play football on the way that a lot of teams want to play. So I, I wouldn't say I have a strong opinion for or against, but I know there's a lot of people who aren't the biggest fans of it was it windy for your game uh yeah it was quite it was quite it was quite rough conditions in general you know the massive sort of showers broke out in the first half and massive sort of windstorm it was but then you can't get out past yeah friday night was dry but uh yeah certainly windy i mean um louis fellow hit a free kick from the halfway line that had to be uh tipped over the bar on the fall yeah no question it was uh flying in that distance no problem i think the you know great 3G is a real asset for Guernsey football, isn't it? And the fact that uh, we're able to play uh, four games this weekend where, frankly, if we'd been on grass, none would have been played uh, is, is definitely a bonus. But you just felt, you know, even from the kickoff on Friday night, it was kind of like, oh, you know, is this the right environment for, for Prio football? It just seemed that there was a, you know, almost like a... Uh, 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 you know, reception style uh, game with uh, with bigger lads. Everybody just kicking at the same ball in the same tight space. Uh, you know, and uh, and only the game took a good twenty minutes to calm down on on Friday night, where suddenly people were able to play a pass and and, and move around a, a little bit and actually play football. And the way that, of course, you know, with wind as well, and the ball just rolling rolling away from you, it do, it, it does cause cause issues. However, you know, we got four games played. I think it's quite nice playing the tournament on the same patch. I mean, the stranger always used to be the case um, for a long while. I always played at Corbett Field under the lights, midweek competition. Uh, and I think that that's a strength, you know, same for everybody. What I can't understand is why the group stages of the tournament are all played in a month uh, at the KG5. And then we forget about it for three months and then we come back and play a semi-final and a final somewhere else. Yeah. You know, that, that, that kind of makes no sense to me. But I, I know why it's done because the clubs uh, didn't want to play semi-finals and final, potentially lucrative semi-finals and finals, and indeed semi-finals and finals on 3G. But um, you know, I think that that spoils it really. You know, it's, it's if we're gonna, and I think it's the right thing to put it in at this time of the year and get those games played. But why not finish the tournament off? Yeah, I tend to agree. With you, I think, and then you know, like last season, you end up with a kind of a slew of finals. Everyone gets a bit of sort of final fatigue yeah. uh, towards the end of the season. Well, I mean, I see. Yeah, there is that. Oh well, we're in the final semi final. We've still got something to play for this season. But yeah, when you're just rolling out for three finals in a week, you know, where, where's where's the big game moment in in that? You know, sorry, just going back to the the three G pitch, and do you find that? is actually quite a good leveller in this competition as well. I mean, judging by the scores at the weekend, apart from the under-18s one, but certainly on the Sunday games, looking at, I was sort of following those on Twitter while at the GFC game, they seem to have been very competitive games as well. So it might um, work out that um, a smaller pitch, but nobody has that home advantage, actually makes it pretty competitive throughout throughout January. Yeah, that's probably not a bad, that's probably not a bad shout to be fair. Like Sylvan's, Sylvan's gave North a pretty decent game 
uh, yesterday. And I think it definitely suits maybe the clubs with less sort of quality because they can play. They can play a bit more to so the conditions. They can sit back. Makes it harder for the teams with a bit more quality to like. I'll look. Like, I'll look at the football. coach of Independiente from last year's FA Cup <laughs> against Sylvans because he still goes on about that now. <laughs> <laughs> and you gave him a great game on the 3G, Jim. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got four more games in the Stranger this week. Uh, Friday night, it's Rangers against the under-18s. Um, then on Saturday, Saints against North. Uh, Rovers against Wreck um, on Sunday, along with Sylvans against Bells. So, uh, yeah, an interesting matchup for you, Harry. And uh, hopefully for you back in the squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. It's going to be it's gonna be very tough against Rovers. Probably the standout side in, in Guernsey this season, so definitely be a little bit more difficult. But um, yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. Looking we'll get back in next week for a, for a match report on that one. Um, right, I think that's just about it from us, guys. Um, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. Thanks again to Rehoy and Son for their support of the pod. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with another Guernsey Press football podcast. And uh, in the meantime, yeah, do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport is the place to go. And make sure you're picking up the paper six days a week um, for full and comprehensive local sports coverage. Um, yeah, thanks very much, guys. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers.